Let's get into this today. Hallelujah. You know, the grace of God is a big piece of genuine faith. Because you have to realize some things about grace. So, go to John chapter 1, verse 17. Hallelujah. You guys, I know you're ready to receive the word today, aren't you? You could just sense the hunger in here. It's just wonderful. Hallelujah. It says in John 1, 17, For the law was given by Moses, but... You know what they say about the word but, right? If a person's talking to you and say, you know, Elisa, Pastor Elisa, I am so sorry for what I did. But then I say, but. So then what I just did is I just erased everything I just said. And now I'm going to say something else. Right? If anybody's saying but to you, it just, they just erased every good thing that they just said. But in this one, this is really good. The law came by Moses but, so see you later, law, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law was all about self-effort. Well, pastor, why are you talking about this? We're talking about genuine faith. Yes, but there's so many people that are mental assenting to scriptures And they're not laying hold of anything because they're trying to do something to get healed. If I just pray enough, if I just confess enough, if I just go to church enough, oh gosh, you know, if I just tithe and give offerings and and if I just, I I gotta just do more because I really need this blessing. Self-effort. You know, the law had three parts. And, and when they would say the law, they're talking about all three parts combined. And I don't want to bore you with all of that information. But there was like 613 different precepts and laws. And here was the thing about the law. It was all about self-effort. And if you messed up in one aspect of it, you were guilty of the whole law. Right? So this is the thing. Boy, this is, I have to say this. So think about this. What would they do in the Old Testament? They would have to do sacrifices. It was a bloodbath, right? So now you got to get this to really understand some things. So they would kill animals and drain blood, and the blood of animals would seal or cover their sin for a period of time. But they kept having to do all these things. Now, here's the thing. When they would bring an offering to cover man's sins, or an individual's sin, like if he brought an offering to be sacrificed, do you know that priest wouldn't say, okay, come over here, Tony. Stand right here, you dirty dog. Now watch, watch what's going to happen as this animal's going to die because of you. Now, and, and, and the priest's eyes, do you think the priest's eyes were on the man? No, no, no. The priest's eyes were on, not on the man, they were on the animal. They were on the sacrifice. Okay? Now what is the whole Old Testament? The law... And all of these sacrifices 
was to literally bring men to Christ because the law would make you go, are you kidding me? I can't do this. I need some help. And the law would bring them to Christ. But these Old Testament priests, when they would do sacrifices, they weren't looking at the person. The priest was looking at the sacrifice. Are you ready to shout? So today... God's not looking at your performance. He's looking at the sacrifice. And if you don't understand that, you're going to think, man, I just messed up. You know, I'm dying of this disease and I messed up, so wow, what am I going to do? And then, oh, you know, I struggle, I'm struggling financially and gosh, I need help with my family and my kids, and, and, but I just keep messing up. Get your eyes off of you. Because grace does not give you a license to sin. It empowers you to walk righteous. It, it does. It empowers you. So, you know, actually, look at John 1.17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So in other words, this is contract, contrasting something. It's contrasting the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came to us by Jesus Christ. So he's making a contrast. So years ago, back in either 92, somewhere between 92 and 94, I was in this, this class at Ramah, the teacher was Tony Cook, right? And he brought out this sheet. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, this sheet is amazing. And I talked to Tony about this after, you know, just our friend, we're friends and we talk all the time and, and stuff. And I said, man, that's really cool what you put together. And he goes, oh, I didn't put that together. I was, I was preaching in some small church and uh, this pastor put this together from the word of God. And I'll tell you, every time I read it, it just, it, it, if this doesn't get you stirred up, your wood's wet, man. You need to go stand outside in the sun and dry your wood, right? So let's, let's look at the contrast here real briefly. As if we do anything briefly around here. So the law, it imposes divine standards based on God's holiness for the purpose of revealing to man his sinfulness and making him aware of his need for divine assistance. Now, every one of these statements I have scripture references for. And this is how he built this. So in other words, that's the law. Grace imparts divine life based on God's benevolence or God's goodness for the purpose of making man a partaker of the divine nature and enabling the plan of God to be fulfilled through him. Isn't that amazing? The grace of God literally, literally made you able to be a partaker of the divine nature so that you could walk out and walk with God and walk out his plan for your life. You could have never done that on your own. 
So the law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus, John 1, 17. The law prohibits us from coming to God. Grace bids us to come as we are. The law condemns the sinner. Grace redeems the sinner. Do you see the contrast? The law slays with a curse. Grace quickens with a blessing. Now what is grace? Grace is the person of Jesus Christ. Grace is not a subject, it's a person. The law shuts every mouth. Grace opens every mouth in praise to God. The law says, do this or die. Grace says, it's done. Now live. The law says, try to do your best. Grace says, trust and rest. The law condemns the best man. Grace justifies the worst man. Wow. Isn't that amazing? The law says, pay up what you owe. Grace says what? It's paid in full. The law provides the basis for the imputation of sin. It gives sin an open door to come in and mess with you. But grace provides the basis for the impartation of God's very righteousness. Wow. The law says the wages of sin is death. Grace says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow. Isn't that amazing? The law says the soul that sins shall die. Grace says, believe only and live. Wow. The law reveals man's sins. Grace reveals God's love. See how the contrast is there? The law grants us the knowledge of sin. Grace grants us the knowledge of redemption. See, without understanding grace, you can't understand really anything in the New Testament. You can't understand anything in the Word of God. The law demands obedience. In other words, you know, thou shalt not. Grace gives us the power to obey. The law was written on stone but grace is written on our hearts. The law brings us into bondage. Grace sets us free. The law genders fear. This is why we're saying this, but grace genders faith. Genuine faith. The law, here's the good news, was done away with at Calvary, but grace abides forever. 
Grace is greater than the law, which revealed sin, and the sin which was revealed by the law. He, Jesus, is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. I will put my laws into their mind. I will write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. This is the foundation of genuine faith. The reason why we're talking about this is you got to get, see, and we're talking about this on Wednesday night, how to grow up, how to develop a strong spirit. We're talking about how to rest. But faith, the highest expression of faith is a rest. It's where you're resting in what Jesus did. This is, this is so important. If you want to walk holy before God, you will only walk holy as you gain a revelation of righteousness. How you've been made righteous. Why? By the grace of God. So Romans chapter 6, in verse 14, I love this, because Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, writes to the Roman Christians. He said, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law. Now the word the is in italics. You could read this literally, for you are not under law, but you and I are under grace. So stop putting yourself under law. The law's been done away with, right? In other words, this is contrasting self-effort, performance. That has to do with the law. Grace has everything to do with rest. That's why we receive through faith what God has given us by His grace. It's all Him, in other words. You've been given everything. You don't have to beg God for things. He already gave it to you. Right? This is not about this is not about you and your performance. It's about what Jesus did. And that's the road to freedom. So in Romans chapter 4 in verses 1 through 6, let me let me just read this and this is going to make a lot of sense to you what we're talking about. Romans 4 verse 1 says this, what shall we say then? That Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found. What are we going to say that he found? For if Abraham were justified by works, then he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. In other words, if you have to work for it, it's not, it's not grace. It's just you work for it. Now, 
someone's indebted to give you what you worked for. But that's not the way Christianity is. See, what we're talking about, Buddha can't give somebody this. Muhammad can't give somebody this. Right? This is, this is grace. This is why Jesus says, listen, I am the way, the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Right? It says, now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. But, of, but to him that works not, but believes on him that justified the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. In other words, if you break this down, that's us. You could not work for salvation. You can't work for healing. That If we say salvation, what that word means is healing, wholeness, protection, freedom from apprehension, right? Prosperity. You can't work for that. You can't perform for that. That was given to you. In order to have it, you simply have to believe it. Right? See, it says, for, to him that works not, but simply believes on him that justifies the ungodly. Who was that? That's Jesus. Everything that I am is resting on what Jesus did, not me. His faith is counted for righteousness. Then it uses David. Even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. We're not Christians because of what we did. We are Christians because of what Jesus did. Right? This is so important that you see this. So now in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says this, Therefore, being justified, in the Greek language it would accurately read, therefore, having been justified. That's the tense in the Greek. In other words, the word justified means being declared righteous. Therefore, having been declared righteous. Why or how? By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know God's not mad at you today? Even if your lifestyle is not pleasing to Him, the reason why it's not pleasing is because He can't get anything over to you that you need and that He has given you. That's why He's not pleased. See, you could, you could say this, God hates sin, is that true? Yes, but let's go deeper than that. Right? If you look at what upsets God, it's a lack of faith. It's when people choose not to believe. Why does that upset him? Because he can't, he's God. The Bible says he's gracious, he's full of compassion. He literally is disposed to show favors. What, what pleases him is when a person comes and believes what he says so that he can perform what he's already given them in their life. It's displeasing to God when a person is standing there going, I just don't believe. I'm choosing not to believe. And believing is a choice. 
right? So, so don't get caught up on the performance, the sin part. Go deeper than that, right? It's resting in your belief that what God said is true. Therefore, being justified or having been justified or having been declared righteous by faith, we now have peace. Therefore, having been, we have. 2,000 years ago, Jesus literally paid the price for you, so now, right now, you are at peace with God. Verse 2, by whom, talking about Christ, also, we have access by faith. This is why we're teaching on faith. We have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In other words, faith is for the purpose of taking possession of the grace. That's, that's why you're not going to get healed because of all that you've done. You'll receive your healing that's already been done for you because of all that Jesus did. You simply must believe it. Right? So that's why, what do we do? We go back and make sure that we're hearing right. That's we, we make sure that we are operating in love because faith works by love. All of these things, and the Holy Spirit helps us. So now go to 1 John chapter 5, in verse 4. We talked a little bit about this. I want to go a little bit further. You guys doing okay? Isn't this good? The Word is so fresh. It's really hard for me to change direction because... Once I start pointing in the direction of grace, man, it's really hard to adjust. Oh, wait, time out. We're not adjusting. Grace is the person of Jesus Christ. So in other words, when we talk about anything about Jesus, we're talking about grace. Thank God I just realized that. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. And if we could put that up in the Amplified Classic... I love the way it brings out the Greek parenthetical definitions. It says, For everyone born of God is victorious. I love the tense of that. And overcomes the world. And that word world again is the world system, the cosmos. Everyone born of God is victorious. And overcomes, and again, remember this Greek word, nikeo, we overcome because of the delegated influence that we've been given. Delegated influence of what? Delegated influence in the name of Jesus. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you delegated authority, we learn from other scriptures, in my name, to have absolute mastery over all the satanic hierarchy, over every demonic force, over all principalities, over all powers, over all the rulers of the darkness of this world, over all spiritual wickedness in high places, to have absolute mastery over them. And over all, it says in Luke 10, 19, the power of the enemy. 
We know the enemy is Satan. The word power, though, is not what we would call power. It literally in the Greek means an overall the ability of Satan. You are to have absolute mastery over all of his ability. And then it finishes up and it says, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. That's, that's absolute truth. For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcomes the world. Our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. I have faith in the fact that Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain. That Jesus himself was made poor on that cross so that I, through his poverty, might be made rich. Okay? I have absolute... See, that's, that is my victory. So that your faith, it is literally the key to your victory. My faith is not the key to your victory. Your faith is not the key to my victory. Your faith will not override unbelief in my life. We've got to understand this. My faith will not override unbelief in your life. Does that make sense? So, I, man, I could, I mean, like right now, my hands are burning. I'm like a furnace. There's a healing anointing every time I get up to minister. It's here. But if somebody comes up hoping to get healed, guess what? Even if I'm in faith and they're in unbelief, they won't get anything. Because it's impossible to receive from God that way. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. Does that make sense? This is so important. In other words, you cannot receive for someone else. So that's why you need to be stirred as you pray for people. Because God's got to help them. You pray for them to get in a position where they'll receive. Right? So we said this before. My testimony then declares what has already been done for me by Christ's redemption. And the realization that that cannot be stopped. Listen, I've already been redeemed from the curse of the law. So now, Satan, the demons, the principalities, all this stuff, the whole world system cannot stop this from coming to me. Does that make sense? We have to know this in the environment of a final day's church. You are not to go backwards. You are not to be... Your life is not to be taken. No, no, no. We are the ones with authority. Right? But we have to learn about faith. As we said last week, victory is not when it's over. Victory is the faith that came at the beginning. Right? In other words, these promises in God's Word that I believe are victory to me. I don't have to see my body change. I'm totally excited about being healed before the symptoms are gone because I'm fully persuaded. 
Because the redemptive, what Jesus did in redemption, it can't be stopped. It can't be stopped. Right? If I'll believe it, I, actually, I'm the only one that could stop it from working in my life. I'm the only one. And I don't know about you, I'm not going to stop it. Are you? No. That's, that's right. See, so many Christians are right. Like, I hope you're sitting here today going, wait a minute. So, it's that easy? So you mean, everything is already mine? Because I don't, I'm, I'm not sensing anybody sitting here going, I don't, I don't know if I believe that or not. I mean, literally, as I'm looking around the room, I'm not sensing one person that's saying, yeah, that's baloney. That's nonsense. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing a lot of people that are going, yeah. Come on, pastor. You've been saying this for years. Right? I love it every time you say it. Right? I mean, that's... So, so you're, you're a believer then, aren't you? So in other words, you have faith. You're fully persuaded. So it's yours. Isn't that amazing? With this promise from God's Word, I overcome sickness. With this promise from God's Word, I overcome depression. With this promise from God's Word, I keep fear out of my life. With this promise from God's Word, I keep poverty and lack from my life. Do you see that? With, with this promise, and I say this promise like there's only one. No, 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 there's tons. With this promise, I rise to the top of whatever field God has me disguised as in the earth. You know, whether I'm an attorney or an accountant or whether I have my own business or whether I'm a housewife or whether, whether I'm, you know, whatever it is. Doesn't matter. You're to rise to the top. Your prosperity is not tied to what you do. It's tied to him. Right? So let's look at this. If you take an aerial view of the word is in regards to physical healing. The Lord just put this on my heart this morning. Physical healing. Let's just look at that. You, get, you have scriptures that literally, literally with these scriptures, I overcome the symptoms in my body. So let's look at the woman with the issue of blood. Go to, go, we'll go to Mark's account. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. We'll just read this real quick. We're not going to dissect it. But it's amazing how Jesus placed the emphasis on the person's faith. It's amazing. There's 19 individual cases of healing in the ministry of Jesus. These are individual cases. It seems like there's more because many of them are in three of the four Gospels. It tells the same story just from different angles. If you read them together, man, it just opens it up. We teach a whole series on that. We broke all 19 of them down. You could go back on our app and listen to them. Right? So, so 10 out of the 19, literally, it specifically says, your faith has made you whole. 10 out of the 19. It mentions that the person's faith was the determining factor 
in them receiving their healing. But doesn't that make sense, knowing about grace? Because it's already been provided. It's not a matter of God giving. It's not a matter of God giving Jeanette her healing. It's a matter of her just simply receiving her healing that's already been provided. That's the way everything is. It's not, did you notice when you got saved, you didn't have to do a bunch of things? You just had to believe in your heart and release your faith with your mouth. And you were completely made new. So, Mark chapter 5, verse 25, look at this real quick. We'll take an aerial view of this. Because you see genuine faith here. And a certain woman, whenever you, say, whenever you see certain, this means everybody, this, this was a certain woman. Everybody would have known this woman. Right? This is, when it says a certain centurion, we might look at that too. I have it in my notes. I love the centurion's servant that was healed, right? Great faith. You know who that centurion's servant was, right? You know his name, don't you? It says a certain Roman centurion. Well, if you study from an aerial view, guess what his first name is? Here's some Bible trivia for you. You know his name. His name's Cornelius. He's the, he's the guy who had... The Lord told him he, he's, this, he's this Gentile, he's this centurion. He built a synagogue. He loved the people of Israel. We see all that from the centurion's servant. But then, after Jesus is gone, Peter has this vision on the rooftop of all this unclean food coming down. And he's like, no, no, no. And then, then he says, hey, there's somebody here. You go to them and you preach the gospel to them. And Cornelius' family was the first Gentiles to be saved. It's amazing what great faith will attract. So now you could say, for those of you Word of Faith people that like the nuggets, there's another little nugget for you. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. Starting to get a picture of a hopeless situation. Look at when everything changed. When she heard of Jesus. What do you think she heard? That he was a really good guy? No, she had to hear he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with them. For when Messiah comes, he will have healing in his wings. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Why did she do that? This is why she got out of bed and she fought through a crowd to touch him. This is the only reason. Had she not done this, she would have never done that. She have an issue of blood. Talk to a lady who has an issue of blood. Or, or if you want to feel like a person does, go donate blood. Go donate blood and then go right to the gym and see how much weight you could lift. Why are men stronger than women? We have a lot more blood in our body. Right? So, so this lady was weak. 12 years. 
But the reason why she got out of bed is she heard something, but that's not enough. She could have heard something and done nothing with it, and this story would not be here. But she took it one step further, for she said. In the Greek language, for she said continually. She said it continually, which fits with genuine faith. The word never departs from your mouth. For she said, in other words, she was continually watering the word of God that she heard. Because when she heard, hey, there's a rabbi, Jesus of Nazareth, that's going around healing people, that was the word of God when Messiah would come. Do you see how little word she heard? She just heard just a little bit. But she chose to act on it. And she started saying continually, if I may touch but his clothes, look at this, I shall be whole. Now listen, when you meet this lady in heaven, walk up to her. It's going to be quite a story. Because this lady that day, when she walked away, she just didn't walk away with no blood hemorrhaging. Immediately, things started happening in her life. And everything, all the finances, everything that was stolen from her was all restored. Because she just wasn't healed, the Bible says. She was made whole. Everything brought back. And I've got news for you today. God's no respecter of persons. What he did for her, he'll do for you. It says, And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Well, let me, let me back up. When she, let me just read this again. Verse 27. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall... Be whole. In other words, when she heard something, she said something. Now, this is genuine faith. When you hear something, you need to be saying something. As a matter of fact, if you're not saying something, you didn't really hear it. You were just listening to it, but you didn't hear it. You can only hear it when revelation goes off. When it's revealed to you. And oh, the Holy Spirit wants to reveal everything to you. Everything that you need. When she heard, she said. Verse 29, And straightway, or at once, the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Notice, she didn't feel something until she said something. And she couldn't have said something unless she heard something. Do you see how simple this is? Verse 30, And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue, this Greek word means power, had gone out of him. In other words, Jesus is walking to Jairus' house. People are thronging him. That means they're touching him. They're they're pulling on him. And he's walking. The disciples are trying to keep people away. Could you imagine their job? 
I mean, as ushers, man, they were failing because there's so many people. Right? And he's going to Jairus, and all of a sudden he's like, he, he, something happened. He felt power go out of his body. Notice, notice he wasn't directing the power. It just went out of his body. Why? Because faith receives. Faith activated the power of God in Jesus' body and brought, it, brought healing in the same way that the faith that you receive when you hear the Word of God will activate things and change natural circumstances. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press. So he's being completely pressed. And some, somebody touches him. He doesn't see who. He turns around when he felt the power. And he, he's immediately, he's like, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? And the disciples said unto him, you could imagine Peter was probably the main one. You see the multitude, you know, almost ripping you apart here, right? That's thronging. And you're saying, who touched me? But then look at Jesus. He's being led by the Spirit. He's looking around. He's looking down on the inside, and he's looking around. Now think about the woman. She knows she's healed, but the problem is, Jairus, the leader of the synagogue who probably pronounced her unclean, and it was Jewish law that if she came around people, she would be dragged out and stoned. So she's happy that she got healed, but she'd really like to live in it for a little while. She doesn't want to be drug over here and stoned to death because she's in a wrong place. So she's kind of a little bit freaked out. Jesus now is looking to see her that... Now look at the wording of this. He looked around about to see her. So look at this. He turned around and he goes... Who's touching me? Then the Holy Spirit's going, it's a woman. So now he's looking for a woman. So she, when he's looking, you could imagine she's going, oh shoot, he knows. <laughs> right? And he looked around about to see her, her who? That had done this thing. What thing did she do? She pulled the healing power of God out of Jesus's Literally, out of his clothes. The anointing, the healing anointing that was resting in his clothes, she pulled it out simply because she was fully persuaded. She heard he was healing. She was fully persuaded. She knew when Messiah would come, he would have healing in his wings. If I could just touch that prayer shawl, I'll be made whole. She kept saying, saying, she touches it, the healing, and he's like, who did that? But the woman, look at this, fearing and trembling. Most people are happy when they get healed. Fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down. Do you see why worship is so shallow in the church? Because people aren't receiving what God has done for them. So they're trying to worship somebody they don't really know. 
God wants you to experience him. Hallelujah. It's so hard to preach when you're crying. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came, fell down before him, and being a woman, she told him all the truth. (laughs) What does that mean? She told him the whole truth. Hey, you know, I was born here. I grew up, I was really healthy, and I did this and that, and you know, I'd go do this, and this is kind of what I like to do too. And, And then 12 years ago, I had this thing happen to me. And then I went to this doctor, and he put me on this medicine, and I got a little better. And J. Iris is probably standing there going, right? Looking at his sundial going, come on. Right? She told him all the truth. She told him all about her 12-year journey. What's amazing to me, do you see the authority of Jesus? Have you ever had somebody telling you all the truth, and you're thinking, I've got to go. Do you know Jesus never does that? He never never does that. He'll sit and listen to you. He won't interrupt you. He's like, just tell me. Tell me. Because I love you so much. You're so important to me. Tell me. He's not moved. Well, well, what if Jairus' daughter dies? Because he already told Jairus, your daughter's going to live. I mean, could you imagine? He's not moved by any of that. Do you realize that? You're a child of God. Nothing is to ever move you. You don't let the chaos in other people's lives become the chaos in your life. You're not moved by the persecution of men or the praise of men. You're not moved and like uh, stressed out because I've got to get this done by this time. Or, man, I just, you know, the doctor says this and, and, and if it, he told me exactly the timeline, showed it to me on a computer monitor, how long and what's going to happen to my body every step of the way. And this has to happen today. No, 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 you're, you're a child of God. You already have been given everything. So you will not die, but you will live and declare the works of the Lord. You are not going under financially. You will go over financially. Those problems in your life right now can't stay in your life right now. Wow. And look at Jesus, he says, and and he said unto her, Daughter, your faith hath made you whole. In other words, the woman's faith, which came by hearing the word of God, which when we say her faith, we say, you know, we know the origin of her faith, right? It's it's the faith of God. Your faith made you whole. Wow. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Isn't that amazing? See, when when she said what God says, she got what she said. Well, we have a little time. Let's look at the centurion servant. Or Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Matthew 8, 5 says this. Another example. Ten out of the 19 individual cases 
The person's faith was the determining factor. And yet we are focusing on, well, God heals some and not others, and you just never understand his will. That's just, you never hear scripture when that's preached, because there isn't any. Because, so, so then you have literally seven out of the nine that are left. It doesn't specifically say your faith made you whole, but you can see the person's faith in operation. Literally, literally 17 out of 19. There were only two cases, only two, where Jesus just healed somebody. What was that? Those, that was just a gift of healing, a working of a miracle. Had nothing to do with the person's faith. Only two out of 19. So that'll happen once in a while, but you as a believer, listen, don't wait for a gift of healing and a working of a miracle. You already know the word. Just, just lay hold of your healing. Lay hold of your provision. Lay hold of the promise of God. It's all, it's all yours. Lay hold of your future. Right? For you single ladies and single gentlemen, lay hold of your spouse. For you married ladies and married gentlemen, lay hold of your spouse. What I mean by, you, by that is you love your spouse. You honor them. You pray for them. You never try to change them, and you watch what God will do to them. Amen? Amen. Now, I'm emphasizing the women in that area because the Bible emphasizes that even in Genesis. One of the results of the curse is a woman is going to want to lord it over her husband. Not in every case, but women could have a problem with that. Right? I can't tell you how many times I've heard, well, I'd sure honor him if he deserved it. But the Bible never says we're supposed to honor our husband if he deserves it. Because that would kind of disqualify all of, our, all of us as husbands, right? <laughs> right? Word to word. But, but here's the thing. The more you honor us, the more, the more it'll work in our life. Right? Well, I don't go to church because my husband doesn't go to church. No, 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 no. But I sure want him to be saved. Then go to church. Honor God. And honor him. Honey, I know you're upset. I know you want to go do this. What can I do? I, I'm, 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 a, I'm a Christian. God's first in my life. So I'm, I'm going to church, but I'll be done by this time, and I could come and meet you. I could do whatever. Right? You know the story of Smith, Smith Wigglesworth. This big, big plumber who's pretty rude. Right? And he just got sick and tired of his wife always going to church. And one night she's like, okay, Smith, I'll see you later. I'm going to church. She's like, no, you're not going to church. She's like, yeah, I, I, I am, right? And so he's like, whatever. So she leaves, he locks the door. It's cold outside. She comes home from church, wonderful meeting, can't get in, knocks on the door, he's asleep. He's not opening the door. He's a pretty rough guy, she knows. So she sleeps on the porch all night. Could you imagine the health of that marriage? Whew. Right? Next morning, Smith, when he gets up, he cleans himself up, and when he's all ready to go, he comes down and he unlocks the door. Doesn't even open it for her. She opens the door, walks in, looks at Smith, and says, good morning, Smith. What can I make you for breakfast? Now, one guy in my church said, I wouldn't eat that breakfast. 
<laughs> you wake up in heaven after that meal, right? Whoa. Jesus is like, you should have prayed harder over that meal. But you know, shortly after that, shortly after that, Smith got saved. Everybody talks about meeting Smith Wigglesworth in heaven. I don't care about that. I want to meet his wife. Seriously. And every man said, amen. What, what our wives put up with, with us. Thank God for his grace. So here he is. Let me just jump out of that and get back to Matthew. When Jesus, in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. Now think about this. It's like, what? Because you're not called to this Gentile. When the Syrophoenician woman came to him and said, can you come heal my daughter? He's like, woman, he called her a dog. Because that's what Jews called everybody. If you weren't a Jew, you were a dog. Woman, I'm not called to you. We can't give the children's bread, which is healing, we can't give that to dogs. Well, that lady came face to face. Could you imagine if a pastor called a woman a dog? Ooh. In this carnal church in America, with, with very little respect for the things of God, oh my gosh, man, I'm splitting the church, I'm leaving, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on seven for your side and talk about this jerk, right? What did this woman do? Well, Lord, doesn't even the dogs get the crumbs? And this woman's daughter got healed. But he's saying, I'm not called to you. But now over here to the centurion, he's like, yeah, sure, I'll come heal him. What? Jesus, you're called to the Jews. Yeah, but faith? Now, why would he say, I'll come heal him? He, now, he hadn't seen the guy's faith yet. But he said, I'll come heal him. Well, we know why. Because his fa- he only did what his father told him to do. So the Holy Spirit is telling him, go, administer to this. This person's servant. But he didn't say, I'll come and see if I could heal him. Actually, in the literal Greek, it would read like this. And Jesus said unto him, having come from heaven, I will heal him. That's literally the literal Greek of that verse. God's a healer. He always has been, always will be. Verse 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Lord, you don't have to come lay hands. Man, I've heard stories where people would come. They'd come, they'd drive from several states away to have Brother Hagen lay hands on them. And Brother Hagen is out. He's resting. He's gone. And... And, you know, our pastor in California as a crusade director would go, well, you know, I, I could pray for him. And they would just, anger and wrath. We drove 600 miles. Where's your faith? This centurion's like, no, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. Right? Look at this. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. 
For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you. Now, who's them that following? There could have been anywhere probably at least 20,000 Jews including the 70, including his 12 main guys, wouldn't this be uplifting? Verily I say to you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. You could just see the 12 disciples going. (laughs) Except for John, he's like, he's this teenager, he's like, yeah, but at least he loves me. (laughs) Peter's like, oh man, ouch, Lord, come on, right? I'll do better. At least he's bold. But he marveled and said, I've not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. See, the centurion understand. He, under, he had an understanding of authority, and that brought him into the operation of faith. You've got to understand, you've been given delegated authority. Anything going on in your life that doesn't line up with the Word of God, whether you caused it or whether it was just an attack of the enemy, Don't get caught up into the how or why or all that stuff. It has no legal right. So you stand in your authority and get it out. Bottom line. Then he said this, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west. They shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so be it done unto thee. And it says, and his servant was healed in the self-same hour. Isn't that amazing? The self-same hour. He believed God. Genuine faith hears, right? Genuine faith hears the word of God. Genuine faith speaks the word of God. So Romans chapter uh, 10, verse 14, it says, you know, how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in whom they've not heard? How shall, right? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? Right? So in other words, you got to hear to believe. You got to believe to call. And you got to call to get the result. Romans 10, 17, it goes on and it says, So then faith by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there's three things that I want to leave you that are revealed here in regards to faith. Number one, hearing. Number one, hearing. Faith is strengthened or destroyed by what you hear. So therefore, as the word of God says, Be careful who you hear, be careful what you're hearing, and be careful how you're hearing. So number one is hearing. Number two is believing. And here's what I'll say about that. You don't have to understand how it will happen to believe. Believing is a choice. Believing comes when you actually hear the Word of God. You'll believe it. You simply choose to believe. The last part that is mentioned in these scriptures is doing. It's not enough just to hear and believe. You must do. 
Doing is action. Doing is calling. It's saying. It's confession. The number one action of faith, or I should say it this way, the number one action to release your faith is saying. Right? James chapter 2, verse 17 says, Even so, faith, if it has not works, corresponding action is dead being alone. If you jump down to verse 20, it says it again in chapter 2. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works, without corresponding action, is dead? Don't question your faith. Look at what you're doing. Listen to what you're saying and look at what you're doing. Don't focus on questioning your faith. There's nothing that's vague. But just look at what you're doing and you'll know if you're in faith or not. Faith is always identified in what you do. Even in the same chapter in verse 26 of chapter 2 of James. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Right? Then if you go to James chapter 3, if you look at verses 1 through verse 12, it's a continuation of chapter 2. And in those verses, it's... It talks about your tongue. Why? Because your tongue is the primary way that you release your faith. Verse 2 of James chapter 3 says this, and I'll close with this. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. That means a complete and grown, full-grown man and able also to bridle the whole body. What? If you can control, if you can lead and direct and govern, hold in check and refrain your tongue, your a, I mean, literally, if you can control what you say, you can literally bridle the whole body. So, Pastor, are you saying that my mouth can cause my heart to work right? Yeah. This word bridle, as I said, it means to lead. It means to direct. You can direct your kidney to function properly. You can direct. It literally means to govern. Your mouth is to govern you. Your body's not to lead you or rule you. You're to govern the body. This Greek word bridle means to hold in check and to restrain. Right? Like autoimmune diseases. Blood work that's off. Are you saying, Pastor, that I could speak the Word of God in faith and it can bridle and bring in check and bring my body in line? Yes. Why? Now, are you doing it? Is it your words? No, you can't heal your kidney. But when you speak the word of God, guess what happens? God watches over his word. And when you speak the word, the very presence and power of God will start to work in your body. What am I saying? Are you as brass as to say that in every circumstance and situation, in every sickness or disease, for everyone, it's available. No, I'm not saying that. God said it first. 
I'm just reiterating very strongly what he said. So in other words, your faith is the victory. Isn't that good news? Boy, embrace your future. Because everything that God produces in your life will bring Him glory and it will cause you to yield all your fruit. Amen?